Across the globe, a routine evening was unfolding. In the serenity of dark, countless eyes, both amateur and professional, gazed upwards through telescopes, marveling at the cosmic ballet. But, tonight, there was a different choreography, one that disrupted the predictable patterns and rhythms of the universe. Initially, it was the amateur stargazers who first noticed. Their online forums buzzed with hushed whispers of an oddity. Photos were shared, disbelief-dominated discussions. The moon, the glowing sentinel of the night, had irregular, spider-web-like lines etching its face. Soon, observatories across continents confirmed this anomaly. High-definition telescopes showcased a jigsaw pattern, a network of cracks on the moon's surface. It wasn't just a mere fracture, it was as if some internal force was tearing it apart. Satellites orbiting the moon transmitted alarming data. Seismic activities, intense energy fluctuations, and thermal variations, the readings were off the charts. Astronomers and astrophysicists convened emergency meetings, trying to understand the phenomenon. Was it a natural cosmic event, or something else? While experts grappled with hypotheses, the first fragment broke away. A massive section of the moon, several kilometers wide, detached and set off on a collision course with Earth. As it entered the Earth's atmosphere, it lit up, creating a streak of incandescent brilliance across the sky. Like a dazzling yet ominous meteor shower, more fragments followed suit. It wasn't only the spectacle that was worrisome. The very idea of moon debris plummeting to Earth posed a catastrophic threat. Would they cause massive tsunamis? Would cities be flattened? As the world held its breath, waiting for impact, leaders of nations addressed their people, urging calm. But underneath the stoic exteriors, chaos brewed. Militaries were on high alert, underground bunkers prepped, and emergency evacuation plans hastily laid out. As the first fragment landed, not with the anticipated explosion, but with an eerily quiet thud, the world would soon realize that this celestial event was just the beginning. Splintered skies were only an overture to an impending symphony of mysteries and challenges that humanity had never faced before. Anticipation hung heavily in the air as the world braced for disaster. Everyone expected fiery explosions, shockwaves that would ripple through continents, and towering tidal waves. Every defense system was activated, and citizens were ushered into safe zones. However, when the fragments landed, the expected cacophony of devastation didn't come. No sonic booms, no raging fires, just a deep, resonating hum that could be felt more than it could be heard. The enormous pieces from the moon settled into forests, oceans, and even city outskirts, burrowing partially into the earth as if seeking anchorage. Drones, sent to investigate the sites, streamed back bizarre visuals. These fragments were not solid masses of rock and metal. They appeared hollow, like enormous geodes, but instead of crystals, their interiors held vast cavernous spaces. The edges of these fragments glimmered with an otherworldly shimmer, and their hollow interiors were draped in darkness. Rescue and research teams in hazmat suits approached these sites, the world watching through live broadcasts. 
As they neared the cavernous interiors, powerful floodlights unveiled their mysteries. The inner surfaces of these fragments were not barren. They were lined with curious structures, reminiscent of coral reefs, but more intricate, almost architectural in design. And within these organic labyrinths lay the true enigma, organisms. These creatures, suspended in a dormant state, had no resemblance to any life form on Earth. They were translucent with bioluminescent patterns coursing through their forms, reminiscent of constellations. Varying in size, some were as small as beetles while others spanned meters, appearing like dormant giants. Speculation ran wild. Were these extraterrestrial beings? Seeds of a distant world, sent on a cosmic voyage? Or were they ancient organisms of the moon, previously unknown due to their subterranean existence? Scientists from various fields collaborated in an unprecedented global effort. Samples were taken, and studies initiated. It was established that these organisms were alive, but in a deep state of hibernation, perhaps induced by their journey through the cold vacuum of space. The discovery sent shockwaves, through the global community. While some celebrated the discovery of potential extraterrestrial life, others feared the implications. What would happen when these organisms awoke? As debates and discussions raged on, little did humanity know that the real challenge was yet to come. The fall of the hollow moon fragments was only the prelude to a much larger cosmic dance. Under the scrutiny of the world, encased within secured containment zones, the organisms began to stir. The bioluminescent patterns within them, previously static, began to pulse rhythmically. It was akin to watching a heart starting to beat after a long stillness, their colors oscillating between shades of blues, purples, and ethereal greens. The initial movements were subtle, a gentle twitch, a slow undulation of their forms, as if stretching after a millennia-long nap. But as days progressed, the pace of their awakening increased. Their forms, which had once been relatively static and geometric, began to expand and reshape. Appendages sprouted, some reminiscent of limbs, others more like tendrils or fins, adapting to their new environment. However, it wasn't their morphing appearance that became the focal point of concern, but the strange miasma they exuded. Starting as a faint haze around each organism, this miasma expanded, growing denser and more opaque. Composed of minuscule spores or particles, it seemed to have a life of its own. Any vegetation it touched underwent rapid mutation, trees twisted into bizarre forms, flowers bloomed out of season only to wither moments later, and entire water bodies became iridescent pools of unknown chemicals. Scientists and biohazard teams tried to contain the spread. Airtight barriers were erected, but the miasma, defying logic, permeated through. Animals exposed to the haze displayed erratic behavior. Birds dropped from the sky, their feathers replaced by shimmering scales, while terrestrial creatures either fled or were transformed, their DNA forcibly rewritten by the alien touch. Air quality measurements revealed alarming data. The atmosphere around the containment zones was changing, filling with gases unfamiliar to Earth's composition. 
Panic surged as the affected zones grew in size. Entire towns near the impact sites had to be evacuated. While the organisms themselves didn't seem aggressive, the environment they were creating was hostile, a silent assertion of dominance. Emergency meetings convened globally. It was clear that this wasn't just a matter of extraterrestrial discovery, it was a fight for the very essence of Earth. As the once dormant alien life began to mold the world around them, humanity found itself facing an adversary unlike any before. The miasma wasn't just a byproduct, it was a weapon, a tool to reshape a world. The emergence was in full swing, and the Earths stood on the precipice of a new, uncertain era. The transformation of Earth was rapid, with millennia of evolution compressed into mere months. The Lunarites, named in homage to their moon origin, emerge as master architects of a new world, wielding the power to recreate the Earth in an image that suited them. Vegetation was the first to yield. Great forests that had stood for centuries began to wither, their mighty trunks and branches crumbling away to dust. But this death was not barren for long. In place of the majestic oaks, pines and redwoods, sprouted alien flora. These structures, more bioluminescent sculptures than plants, pulsed with the same otherworldly glow as the lunarites. They reached skyward, not with leaves, but with crystalline formations that seemed to absorb and refract light. Night was no longer dark, instead, landscapes shimmered in a continuous aurora of colors. The atmosphere underwent a profound metamorphosis. Once clear blue skies turned hazy, thickening with gases that Earth's ecosystems had never encountered. This new cocktail of the atmosphere gave the skies an iridescent sheen, turning sunrises and sunsets into surreal light shows. But this beauty came at a cost. Breathing became a challenge in areas heavily influenced by the lunarites. Masks and respirators, once tools against pandemics, became essential gear for survival against the alien atmosphere. Oceans, the cradles of life on Earth, were not spared either. Their once azure depths turned opaque, casting a dark shadow over marine ecosystems. The salinity altered, and the waters brimmed with unfamiliar minerals. Marine life struggled, with many species going extinct within weeks. But as Earth's marine species vanished, new life forms, presumably dormant within the lunarite fragments, awakened. These alien marine entities, some tiny and others gargantuan, claimed the oceans as their domain. The seas became a canvas of bioluminescent displays, a dance of alien life in the abyss. As the lunarites continued their relentless terraforming, humanity watched from the fringes, from mountaintops, and underground refuges, as their home was unmade and refashioned. The Earth, with its vast histories, cultures, and biodiversity, seemed to be fading into the annals of time, making way for the age of the terraformers. The question on every survivor's mind was clear, could humanity coexist in this new world, or was this the twilight of the human era? As the surface became an alien realm, humanity's survival instinct kicked into overdrive. The above world, with its alien-infused atmosphere and aggressive new flora and fauna, was no longer the Earth humans knew. It was clear, 
To survive, one had to adapt, and the adaptation humans chose was to descend into the depths. Subterranean spaces, once earmarked for transport or extraction of resources, became vital lifelines. Subway tunnels, which had echoed with the hustle and bustle of daily commuters, transformed into makeshift shelters. Abandoned mines, with their labyrinthine networks, were retrofitted into living quarters. Military bunkers, designed to withstand external threats, became central hubs for communities. In these dimly lit corridors, a new way of life took root. Engineers and mechanics, leveraging remnants of the old world, repurposed train carriages into living spaces. Vast chambers in mines were turned into communal areas, illuminated by salvaged lights and, in some places, bioluminescent fungi. The underground had its own unique challenges, ventilation, waste management, and the scarcity of natural light. However, human ingenuity rose to the challenge. Old technologies were reinvented, air purifiers were built, water filtration systems developed using underground reservoirs, and hydroponic farms established for food. Communication lines connected these subterranean settlements. Radio became an essential tool, not just for news, but to maintain a sense of community among the scattered pockets of humanity. Regular broadcasts shared updates, music, and messages, ensuring that in the enveloping darkness, no one felt alone. But living underground wasn't solely about survival, it was about preserving humanity's essence. Libraries were established, filled with books salvaged from the surface, ensuring that knowledge was passed down. Art and culture thrived in unexpected ways. The cavernous walls became canvases, filled with murals depicting memories of the world lost and hopes for the future. Yet, the underground wasn't entirely isolated from the surface transformations. Every so often, lunarite spores would find their way in, leading to sporadic outbreaks of alien flora. Vigilant teams, known as Guardians of the Deep, were tasked with preventing such infiltrations and ensuring the sanctity of these human sanctuaries. In this underground realm, humanity found resilience. While the Lunarites dominated the surface, below the Earth's crust, the spirit of mankind burned bright, determined to endure and, someday, reclaim their world. The dark, corridors and caverns echoed not just with the whispers of despair but with the determination to fight back. With every passing day, the urgency to reclaim the surface grew stronger. Humanity's greatest minds collaborated, pooling resources and knowledge from various settlements. The underground became a hive of innovation, fueled by the collective drive for survival and reclamation. At the helm of this rebellion was a coalition of scientists, engineers, and military strategists. Their meetings, held in secure chambers, were a fusion of brainstorming and meticulous planning. It was clear that conventional weapons would be ineffective against the Lunarites and their terraformed world. The battle ahead required innovations that targeted the very essence of the alien invasion. Sonic weapons became the first line of offense. The Lunarites, with their unique biological makeup, appeared sensitive to certain frequency ranges. 
Prototypes were developed that emitted powerful sonic blasts, causing disruption in the lunarite's biological processes. Field tests on isolated lunarite samples showed promise, the creatures would become disoriented, their bioluminescent patterns flickering erratically upon exposure to these sonic frequencies. Electromagnetic pulses, EMPs, targeted the alien flora. Researchers discovered that the luminous plant-like structures, while organic, had electromagnetic properties. By releasing controlled EMPs, it was possible to temporarily neutralize the energy within these formations, causing them to wilt or retract. Chemical counteragents were the trickiest but held the potential to reverse the terraforming effects on the atmosphere and water. Chemists and biologists collaborated to develop solutions that would neutralize the alien gases and restore the balance of Earth's atmosphere. For the tainted water sources, phage-like agents were designed to target and neutralize the foreign minerals and organisms, rendering the water safe again for human inhabitants. Training camps were established in larger underground chambers. Here, rebel squads were trained not just in the use of these new weapons, but also in guerrilla warfare, understanding that reclaiming the earth would require both force and stealth. They practiced in simulated environments, preparing for every possible scenario when they ventured to the surface. The underground buzzed with anticipation. Workshops ran around the clock, producing the necessary armaments. The rebellion wasn't just about weaponry, it was a symbol of hope, a beacon that promised a return to the days of sunlight, and open skies. Humanity was gearing up, ready to rise against the cosmic invaders and take back their home. Named after the ancient sun god, Operation Helios symbolized the return of light to a darkened world. Every aspect of the mission was meticulously mapped out. The underground cities had collaborated on a scale never seen before, sharing intel, resources, and manpower. The element of surprise was paramount, the Lunarites had no indication of the brewing storm beneath their transformed world. Strategists had identified key surface points where the influence of the Lunarites was at its strongest. These were the primary targets. Teams, equipped with EMP detonators, emerged from hidden underground accesses, moving swiftly and silently. At the synchronized hour, the detonators were activated. A pulse of electromagnetic energy radiated outward, causing an immediate reaction. The luminescent flora dimmed, and the ever-present haze began to dissipate in affected areas. From elevated positions, squads with sonic cannons took aim. These weapons, looking more like oversized musical instruments than guns, released waves of sound, tunneled in the direction of the largest lunarite clusters. The results were instantaneous. The creatures, caught off guard, convulsed in agony, their lights flickering wildly as they tried to retreat or burrow into the ground. In tandem, aircrafts that had been retrofitted and shielded against the alien atmosphere swooped in, releasing the chemical counteragents. As the chemicals mingled with the tainted atmosphere, there was a visible reaction. The foreign gases began to neutralize, causing a cascading effect that slowly started to restore the atmospheric balance. Across different regions, similar scenes unfolded. 
The element of surprise had given humanity the upper hand. Reports from various fronts were promising, the advance of the Lunarites had not only been halted but was being reversed. Underground command centers were abuzz with excitement. Broadcasts showed the retreating Lunarites, and the receding miasma. For the first time in months, in some areas, the skies cleared enough for the sun to pierce through, casting golden rays upon the scarred earth. Celebrations erupted in the subterranean cities, with people cheering and embracing, tears streaming down their faces. However, amidst the jubilation, the tacticians and leaders remained vigilant. They understood that this was just the first salvo in what would be a prolonged battle. While they had achieved significant success, the Lunarites were a formidable foe, and the war for Earth was far from over. The Lunarites' response to Operation Helios was both astonishing and terrifying. Nature, it seemed, had equipped these creatures with an unparalleled ability to adapt and evolve, turning adversity into opportunity. Within weeks of the attack, the Lunarites showcased, new defensive mechanisms, rendering many of humanity's weapons and strategies obsolete. Their outer exoskeletons thickened, becoming more resilient to the sonic waves that had previously debilitated them. Some developed an ability to deflect or absorb the sonic pulses, turning a once formidable weapon into little more than an annoyance. Furthermore, they seemed to communicate these adaptations rapidly across their kind, ensuring that even Lunarites in regions yet untouched by the sonic weapons were preemptively armored against them. The luminescent flora, too, showed signs of rapid evolution. New offshoots appeared, pulsing with energy, able to neutralize or even feed off the EMP bursts. What was once a weapon of mass disruption now served to energize and stimulate further growth. But the most unsettling development was their accelerated rate of reproduction and spread. Pockets of lunarites, previously isolated, began to converge, forming larger, more potent colonies. These super-colonies started sending out tendrils, probing and infiltrating the ground beneath, seeking entry into the human sanctuaries. The underground cities, once havens of safety, were now under threat. The initial signs were subtle, a wall covered in bioluminescent growth here, a water source tainted there. But soon, the lunarite infiltrations became bolder. Entire sections of underground settlements were overtaken, forcing evacuations and triggering skirmishes as humans tried desperately to defend their last refuge. In the face of this evolving adversary, a sense of dread permeated the underground. The gains of Operation Helios seemed to have been short-lived, and humanity was once again on the back foot. However, in these dire times, a new sense of unity emerged. Cities joined forces, pooling their remaining resources and expertise in a bid to develop new countermeasures against the Lunarite threat. In research labs, scientists raced against time, analyzing the Lunarite's new adaptations, seeking vulnerabilities. In training arenas, soldiers drill in new combat techniques, preparing for close-quarter combat with the invaders. As the Lunarites continued their relentless push, Humanity braced for the next phase of the conflict, knowing that the battle for Earth was entering a critical juncture. The Zephyrians were an enigmatic species, 
humanoid in appearance with translucent skin that shimmered in a spectrum of colors. Their civilization was built on the principles of harmony and balance, with technology that was virtually indistinguishable from biology. When humanity first made contact with the Zephyrians, several decades ago, during an exploratory space mission, it was a peaceful encounter. While their cultures and technologies were exchanged on a minimal scale, the two species had maintained a cordial, albeit distant, relationship. Now, faced with extinction, humanity sought the Zephyrians' assistance. A high-frequency signal, a remnant from the initial contact, was used to send an urgent plea to the Zephyrians. Their response was swift, arriving on Earth in ethereal vessels that floated gracefully above the afflicted planet. These vessels emitted a calming aura, momentarily pushing back the miasma and lunarite influence wherever they hovered. The Zephyrians, having analyzed the situation, proposed a radical solution. They offered to share their advanced biotechnologies, which had the potential to integrate their resilient DNA with that of humans. This would not only create a hybrid species capable of resisting the lunarite onslaught but also possess the potential to reverse the terraforming effects. In vast underground chambers, the Zephyrians set up biogenic labs. Volunteers from the human populace stepped forward, driven by desperation and hope. Through a process that was more art than science, the Zephyrians wove their genetic material with that of humans. The procedure was painless, the participants enveloped in a cocoon of light, emerging transformed. The hybrids, dubbed the Helanthus, possessed heightened senses, and their skin glowed with a soft luminescence. They could breathe the altered atmosphere and drink the transformed waters without harm. More importantly, they possessed the ability to neutralize the lunarite presence. With a touch, they could purify tainted ground, restore natural flora, and drive the lunarites into retreat. Empowered, the Helanthus led the charge, advancing to the surface with squads of human rebels. With each liberated region, the tide of the war began to shift. The lunarites, for the first time, seemed to be on the defensive, unable to counter the biotechnological might of the Helanthus. But this alliance came at a cost. The integration of Zephyrian DNA meant the hybrids were neither fully human nor Zephyrian. They existed in between, bearing the weight of two worlds. While they were celebrated as saviors, there was an undercurrent of unease. Would Earth, once freed from the Lunarites, have room for such hybrids? As the battle raged on, this question loomed large, hinting at challenges yet to come. The Helanthus stood at the forefront of Earth's recovery. Their hands reached out, purifying and healing the land, making it reminiscent of the Earth that once was. And with every rejuvenated region, hope surged amongst the human population. Yet, as the Lunarites were driven back, they left behind remnants, not just of their terraforming, but of their history. Encoded within strange artifacts and crystalline structures were holographic records, unraveling a narrative that sent shockwaves through humanity and the Helanthus. The Lunarites were not invaders in the traditional sense. Their journey to Earth was not one of conquest but of desperation. 
They had originated from a distant world, a lush green planet that had been torn apart by cosmic forces and a long-standing feud with another species, the Zephyrians. The enmity between the Lunarites and Zephyrians was ancient, spanning millennia. Fleeing the devastation of their home planet, the Lunarites sought refuge on the moon, using its hollow caverns to lie dormant, heal, and perhaps, dream of a brighter future. The moon, with its close proximity to Earth, was meant to be a temporary sanctuary. Over time, however, resources dwindled, and the Lunarites had no choice but to venture to the nearby Blue Planet. The revelation presented a moral quandary. Were the Lunarites truly to blame? Their actions were those of a desperate species, driven to the brink, seeking survival, much like humans had when forced underground. Further layers of complexity were added when it became evident that the Zephyrians were aware of this history. Their offer to assist humanity was not merely out of altruism, but was also a strategic move in their age-old conflict. They had once again located their ancient foes and saw an opportunity to end their feud, using Earth as the battleground. The twilight of this war brought mixed emotions. The Earth was returning to its former state, but at what cost? The Hellanthus, standing at the crossroads of this interstellar feud, felt the weight of their dual heritage more profoundly. They had become the living testament to the blurred lines between friend and foe, right and wrong. As the sun set on a liberated Earth, it cast long shadows of contemplation. Wars might have been won, but understanding the intricate weave of the universe was a journey that had only just begun. The true challenge lay not in battling extraterrestrial forces but in deciphering the complex tapestry of motives, histories, and ethics that bound all beings, terrestrial or not. The moon's hollow nature was but a metaphor for the vast, unexplored depths of knowledge and understanding yet to be filled.